Hey friends, Nels here. Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. Today we're in a message series called Christianity Light. Oftentimes, I find that my faith can be watered down or really just not going anywhere. But today we're exploring what it looks like to move into the transformed life that Christ intends for us. And I would invite you to tune in. Every morning, I wake up at 5.15. I make some steel-cut oats, I hit the pool, and I get right into my workout. I like to focus on the specific movements, such as cupping the water. It helps me to visualize the race. I run through every single competitive stroke that I'm training for. The shallow end helps me fine-tune my movements. Then I go to the deep end. I put on my flotation equipment and I get to work. I have followed my coach's instructions to a T since I was four years old. The flotation device builds confidence. It's the foundation for my swimming. See, Individual competition is all about confidence, and I think it gives me an edge. I'm competitive in every single stroke. I practice them all. Backstroke, breaststroke, freestyle, and my favorite, butterfly. My coach told me to do this, and slow and steady wins the race. We have our sights set on Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Konnichiwa. Good morning, Journey. (laughs) You know, that's uh, Bobby doing the little uh, video there. If you, Whitney's husband, if you run into him, thank him for that. I especially love the little little, uh, helpers that he's got on his arms there as he works towards the Olympics. So that's great. This is the second in a series on Christianity Light. And uh, last week, Brandon talked about uh, Christianity Light. And uh, he focused on doing things half-heartedly and how that doesn't get us to a place of real fulfillment. We're going to look today on the problem of trying to do everything, doing too much, and how that stacks up against going pro, and what it means to go pro. And we're going to look at four qualities of going pro in some area of your life. So uh, let's dive in. Scriptures from Hebrews chapter 12. The portion we're going to read is a portion that uh, the writer of the Hebrews, some think the Apostle Paul used, but it is a framework of using athletic competition to look at spiritual reality, and the wording is very similar to documents that have been found in the Roman and the Greek uh, writings when speaking of athletic competition. He knew that his readers would be familiar with some of the wording and phrasing, and so he used those words and phrases to communicate a spiritual truth. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Both my wife and I love uh, baseball. Tough year. She's a Twins fan, and I'm a Braves fan. If you're following anything about baseball, you'll know that those two major league teams have the poorest records in all of the major leagues. The Minnesota Twins have 22 wins and 46 losses. Uh, 20 wins, I mean, and 48 losses. The Braves have 22 wins and 46 losses, but who's counting at this stage of the game? And uh, it's a little demoralizing. But you know, I, I've been around greatness in my life. And I know the atmosphere of failure and disillusionment and, well, let's just wait for the Viking season. And I know the atmosphere of energy, of joy, of achievement and fulfillment when something's clicking on all eight cylinders. I've been in those settings. I sat in the seat of a symphony hall in England when one of the great city symphonies of all of Europe played Mahler's Eighth Symphony. Mahler's Eighth Symphony is so grand, it's called the Symphony of Thousands because it was written to have a double orchestra, symphonic orchestra, and a thousand-voice choir. Because of its grandness, it's often performed only once every 10 years. And so the night I sat in that symphony hall, it was packed. They were doing this symphony for three nights. Every night was sold out. People had come from all over Europe to hear it, knowing that they may never again in their lifetime hear that symphony played. There were 21 bass violins that night, 450 voices. I sat there mesmerized. But it was in that same symphony hall just a few months earlier, the first weekend I was in England to study, when I was homesick and thought there's got to be something to remind me of the United States, and I looked on a bulletin board at the University of Birmingham, and here Wynton Marcellus, maybe the greatest jazz trumpeter in the United States today, was going to be at that symphony hall with the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, along with the London Philharmonic, playing the debut of his jazz symphony. I thought there couldn't possibly be tickets available, but there was. And you know that if you're a student, which was hard to believe because I was 55, if you were a student, that, that performance cost three pounds 50, which is like six bucks. So it was one of the best things about being a student because I'd go down there every week and listen to whoever was there. And I sat there that night and listened to Wynton Marcellus. Now, Wynton Marcellus just sat along with his jazz band and the London Philharmonic. And, but when they got done, the crowd would not stop applauding until Wynton Marcellus, with his trumpet, just stepped out all by himself. And he played the sweetest, quietest note on that trumpet that filled the, that, that, that room that I thought I didn't think was possible. 
I also stood on the floor of the Rose Garden where the Portland Trailblazers play. And uh, I was at a fundraising event, and so they had a number of athletes there. It was a, it was a golf uh, event, and then a bunch of athletes, and they were raising money. And I walked by a tall man, and I looked at his name tag, and it said Zelmo. But how many Zelmos can there be? When I was a teenager, we would rush home from church so that I could turn on TV on Sunday, and there was the NBA on, C- on ABC with Chris Schenkel. And during those years of the NBA in the 60s and the 70s, much more than today, the center was uh, at the center of the offense. And they were massive men. Wilt Chamberlain, seven foot one. Walt Bellamy, 6'11". Nate Thurman for San Francisco, 6'11". And amongst these giants was Zelmo Beatty at a, at a demissive six feet, eight inches tall. He played on a team where the two forwards were 6'6 six, six, and 6'7". Six, the guards were 6'3 and 6'1". It was a small team. You remember when Magic Johnson played for the Lakers, he was the point guard at 6'9". And yet, Beatty held his own in those years. So I walked up and I said, could you be Zelmo Beatty of the old St. Louis Hawks? And he was. I thought, here's a man who in the midst of that era had a winning, played on a team that had a winning season every year. Now what's the point of that litany? The point is that the scripture teaches us that every one of us in this room were designed for competency. Except you can't be competent in 50 things. You gotta choose. In the book, The Alchemist, it says, not only do you have to choose, you have to keep on choosing the thing you chose. Because day after day, something will try to rob it. You can choose, I am going to be a stellar father. I'm going to be a stellar spouse. I am going to be a stellar hunter. But you can't choose 50 things to be stellar at. You have to choose. And so when we look at this scripture, we actually begin to see four things that are true about really going pro in our life. You were designed for competency and you were made to be a master. At something. And so let's have a look. Number one about going pro, it tells us we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Hang with people who are living the life you desire. If you want to be good at hunting, number one, buy a gun. Number two, find somebody that's killed something. Find a hunter. You know, one of the things I've learned about hunting is they see, they see stuff nobody else sees. Let me drive into Billings with a hunter. And you know what they'll say? We're driving along, and they'll say, ah, look at those elk on the hillside. I see scrub brush. So how do they see that? If you go fishing, fly fishing with John Oakland, he'll say, you see those fish? I see water and stone. Now, they're either playing with me, (laughs) which is entirely possible, or because they have given themselves to this thing, they've learned stuff 
And if you want to learn it, you got to hang with those kind of people. Like, who do, you, who do you spend your time with? What do you aspire to, and do you spend time with people who aspire to that? I mean, this was so important that one of the first things Jesus did was to build a team, and he put such reliance on that team that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the greatest crisis of his life, keep in mind he's Jesus, the Son of God, pure and undefiled and without sin, he asks the disciples to pray for him. He knew everything about the disciples. He knew Peter was going to fail him. He knew all their foibles and flaws, and yet he was so much involved with his team, he asked them to pray for him. And there's all kinds of ways you can hang with people who are living the life you desire, who've gone pro in the area you've decided to go pro. You can, you can read about them. I finished the life of George Mueller, who without letting anybody know the needs, built, a, built nine buildings and an orf, orphanage in Bristol, England that housed thousands you can read the life of Amy Carmichael, who built an orphanage in South India for a, for a thousand orphans and ran, ran it for 15 years from her bed because of an injury she sustained in a fall. You can read about Hudson Taylor, who founded the China Inland Mission. And even today, hundreds of years later, mission, mission boards structure themselves based on the lessons that Hudson Taylor taught in the China Inland Mission. And if, you don't, if you're not a big reader, just watch movies. I mean, you can watch the life of Wilberforce, who stopped slavery in England. And if, and if you don't watch movies, and if you don't read books, then find people. I mean, there are people sitting next to you who have mastered things. I mean, we have a leadership team in this church who is doing, like, one of my gripes about, I've been in this industry for 45 years, and I get weary of the messianic model of leadership. Like, the leader who knows everything, can do everything, gets to say everything. I don't mean they're not well-meaning, but that doesn't fit very well anymore because the demands are so broad. But we have a leadership team that's doing something enormously unique in our industry, working as a team. And if I want to learn something about how to stay passionate about the things of God, I just call up Bob Schwan. You're just hanging around Bob Schwan. You can't get lukewarm around Bob Schwan. And if I wanted to learn how to be a servant, I'd call up John Oakland. In 45 years of ministry, I've never met anybody in my life who so mirrors servant leadership like John Oakland does. It, it, it's phenomenal. Brandon Edwards has more gifting at more levels. He, he'd rank in the top 10 of the people I've ever, I've ever moved along with. And Doyle, Doyle Stuckey, he's actually, he's actually able to marry administrative detail with a care for people, which is one of the rarest mix of gifts you'll ever, you'll ever find, because usually those two gift mixes, and, and, and Chris Stuckey 
If you just, if you're starving for ideas, just go out and have coffee with her. It's like talking to a shotgun. I mean, it goes off and there's pellets everywhere. There's ideas all over the place. And then you, you suddenly find you're living in a universe way bigger than you thought. Now, I didn't ask Trish if I could say this, but uh, she's the girls' basketball coach at MSU. If I was trying to learn how to perform well under pressure, I'd call her up. Because she can't even fail in private. Some of us can fail in private. She can't. She goes out onto a floor with a bunch of players and a whole bunch of people come just to watch. Say, let's see how, let's see how she does tonight. And, and, and by the end of the night, we know if she succeeded or failed. And she'd have all kinds of things to teach us. See, there's something in our isolated sense of being an American that causes us to try to go it alone. Going pro doesn't function that way. In fact, the better you get, the more coaches you have. You can be in Little League and you got some dad who's already put in 40 hours at work and he's exhausted, but somebody had to coach the Little League team, so he makes his way over to the ball field and gives a little time. But if you're trying to be an Olympic champion, you have a coach for weightlifting and diet and on and on and on. The, the better you get, the more you aspire to, the more coaches you have, not the less. So if I want to go pro in my spiritual life, then I start hanging with people. Number two, identify and ruthlessly remove what holds you back. Scripture says, let us throw off everything that hinders. You start narrowing your focus, and actually two things happen. You ruthlessly eliminate, and you joyfully give your attention to. That's one of the prices of becoming a master at something. There's four things that empower human beings. One is competency. Choice, competency, meaning, and significance. Competency. Knowing that you do something well. Now, I have three kids. I'm proud of all of them. They all do things well. I want to tell you about Nathan. Nathan just arrived back. Him and Laura and their two kids, or two of our grandkids, arrived back from Beijing, China, where they live and work at international schools. Nathan, like most of the longs, was a slow starter. He didn't get to the honor roll till he was a senior in high school. Then he went to college. And uh, he was not magna cum laude of anything. But he narrowed his focus into one area, music. In the largest international school in Beijing, China, he is the head of bands. And I sat in one of his classes, and I was astounded at the level of skill with which he teaches He has drawers full of notes from parents and students who have been impacted by his life. And though he was never good at group sports, he skis down sides of hills that I won't even slide down on my butt. He's natural. And along with that, he's a natural humorist. He's one of the funniest people I know. We were all made to excel at something. God designed us that way. And we can either 
frittered away because we live in a country where we actually could do 100 things. Or we will have enough discipline, enough care for the world as we give our lives away to others. We'll start narrowing that field because we want to go pro. Now, I'm actually going to do something dangerous today. I'm going to draw on this board and it's not going to be a triangle. In fact, there's not actually going to be any sharp corners. But I've been watching the U.S. Open and... uh, and <laughs> this happened on the U.S. Open. It's happened. The U.S. Open is going on right now in golf. It's in Oakmont, Pennsylvania. And a guy was trying to explain one of the holes and how the golfer would have to hit the ball. And, and this is kind of an example of one of, one of those holes. So here, here's the fairway went like this. And uh, here's the... Here's where they drive, and then there's a whole bunch of uh, big sand traps. There's some sand traps here, and then here is the green. There's a bunch of sand traps here. Now, here, here's the part that got me. So the guy's explaining this, and he's saying, all right, now, so the, golfer, the golfers are either going to have to hit here, 265 yards. Now, as far as I could tell, this is about maybe 90 feet in width, 260. Or he says they can go all the way to here, try to hit here, and roll it onto the green at 295. Now I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, number one, he talks as, he talks as if it's actually possible for the ball to, to go where you're trying to hit it. So, like, that impressed me. <laughs> See, for me, golfing is a matter of a long, leisurely, joyful walk. <laughs> and my idea of being under or over par is if I find more balls than I lose, I'm under par for the day. Hey, I lost two balls, but I found four. I was two under for the day. It's a great way to play the game. Who in the world thinks like this? This is a little 90-foot, narrow, where you could actually hit it further. Roll it onto the... But remember, with competency and achievement come joy, energy, and fulfillment. You and I may not have been designed to do this, but we were designed to do this somehow in our life. And for you and I to die without ever having found it is not only a tragedy for you, but for the world, and if you're here in a father or mother, a tragedy as a legacy to your children. I keep learning because I want to give my children and my grandchildren the legacy that their father and grandfather never quit trying to improve. Just keep at it. Now there's a third aspect to to going pro, and it's this. Practice, 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 run, run, run. He says here, and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
You just got to do it and you do it and you keep doing it. Now you'd think you'd get bored at it, but John Oakland never seems to get bored of fly fishing. And he's about as good as you can get at it. Actually, the joy increases with competency. It's part of how we're wired. And one of the reasons is because when you get competent, you actually start thinking like this and, and you start focusing on littler and littler and littler aspects of improvement in your life. Say, like, if you golf like me, I try to golf like twice a year. If you golf twice a year and you actually have a good hole, you can say to yourself, you know, if I did this a lot, I'd really be good at it. You, <laughs> you can live in that world of delusion. You do it all the time. You can't live in a world of delusion. So you got to find something. You got to find the it. The one or two it's that you're on this earth to do. Whatever else you do. And you got to start working at it. Now he says you run with patience and perseverance. If you try to do anything that's meaningful. And if you try to really excel at it. Then there will be. Three things that you'll face. You will face adversity. You will face exhaustion. And you'll face doubt. And you have to be willing to overcome all of those. See, we love the stories about people who face adversity and overcome them. Like, for example, my mom, who, who was a singer, once sang a song by Annie Johnson Flint. Let me just read you some of the words of the song. She wrote, Annie Johnson Flint was a poet and she wrote a poem called God Hath Not Promised. Says, God hath not promised, skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised, sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day. Rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials and help from above, unfailing sympathy and undying love. Well, that's sweet, isn't it? Except Annie Johnson Flint was going to be a concert pianist. And then at a young age, a debilitating form of arthritis began to invade her body so debilitating that eventually she ended up on a bed all the time. And she became a poet, but she wrote that poetry with a pencil in her gnarled hands and a desktop extended over her bed. And she would scratch out words like, God hath not promised and you know what? We all love those kinds of stories. But somewhere in our life, if we're going to excel, we will live one of those stories. And we will need perseverance. When the evidence is against us, we will have to have the courage to persevere and to overcome that kind of adversity and to overcome exhaustion which makes cowards of us all and overcome doubt because the Bible says in this world if you're doing anything that's meaningful there is an accuser of the brethren who whispers in your, your ear that you don't belong here. 
You don't belong on the dais. You don't belong on the Olympic pedestal. You don't belong. In fact, that enemy of your soul can list out the ways you fail to remind you you don't belong. And if you don't call on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be tempted to believe him when he tells him. And one of the ways you overcome it is you just dig in and you start doing something. We, Mark Pierce just talked about fathers in the field. You say, you know, I feel inadequate to that. But here's a need and, and I'm just going to dig in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up. I'm going to go talk to somebody. I'm going to say, you know, I'm interested in doing that. We have the Global Leadership Summit that's coming up. Well, I don't feel much like a leader. But there's nobody in here that doesn't influence someone. So, you know, that's August 11 and 12. I'm just going to sign up for it. I'm going to hang around people who are leaders and I'm going to see if God doesn't have something to say to me. Run, run, run. Practice, practice, practice. Stay with it. Number four, keep looking at the goal. Keep looking at the goal. You, can, you and I, we can get to where we're looking at all kinds of things and we're just amateurs at everything. Yesterday, the internet went off at our house. So, Marcy said, go up and fix that. Well, if I have to do anything with my hands, I, number one, I start breaking out in a cold sweat. You know, I can buy something that gives me instructions to put things together. I still have pieces left over. Just, I, think, I, I don't know. Uh, so I go upstairs. I break out in a cold sweat. I go, to, I go to this little place filled with wires. Now there are three electrical boxes there. So, well, maybe, maybe we should try to reset the router. I, three, I don't know which one's the router. There's three boxes... 12 wires going into those three boxes and 15 blinking lights. Now, you know, if that would have happened to Sam Bennett, he would have said, I tell you what, why don't you blindfold me first and even point me in the wrong direction? I'll find it, I'll go to it, I'll I'll touch the right box the very first time, I'll reset it, and you'll just be fine. Because he's a pro at that. Some of us, our Christian life is like those three boxes and 12 wires and 15 lights. We spent a little time on it. We're just, we just live in a hopeful land. Um, when you can do better than that, God's equipped you to do better than that. And even in other areas of your life, God wants you to be able, he wants to show you how to leverage what he's given you for, a, for both your own enjoyment and the broader kingdom. If you're a woodworker, let the Lord know that that is at his disposal. If you're a fisherman, let the Lord know that that's at his disposal. If you're a musician, let the Lord know that that's at his disposal. Somebody needs what you have. Good farmers get together in the morning and have coffee with other good farmers. 
They hang with one another, they learn things, and they have something to share with other people. And if you have possessions, if you have a boat, say, well, I don't know, it's kind of materialistic. On the other hand, maybe God wants me to leverage that and I invite someone else in my boat. If you have a four-wheeler, share your four-wheeler. If you have a $600 fishing rod, keep it hidden. (laughs) I've heard horror stories about that. So the Lord tells us, stay focused. All kinds of distractions. And he tells us here, focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It is in his partnership you can go pro. You can become a master. You can develop great competencies for the sake of the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to this earth, walked in order to show us what the competency in this earth looked like. He died on a cross and he rose again and he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. He invites us to join him to be on a team that is changing the world. What could be greater? Why don't we set our things aside and bow our heads and And the Holy Spirit's been here today. He promises that if even two or three gather in his name, he's here. The fact that the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity of God, is here means that something dynamic, something of power can happen in your life. The writer of the Hebrews says, let's start by focusing on Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes upon him. That's the first step of going pro. And right where we're seated, you can say, Lord, you have touched my heart today. You have reminded me that I am not disqualified, that Jesus Christ died for me. I do aspire, and I want to begin by inviting you into my heart. Scripture says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. So we're going to wait for just a moment. If you felt the tug of the Holy Spirit, invite Jesus into your heart right now. Open that door, and the Bible says he promises he will step into your life. Father, thank you for your kindnesses to us, which are new every morning. Thank you for the invitation to go pro. Lord, we all know what it's like to dabble, to try to go 50 directions at once. Thank you for reminding us that to be a master, we must focus. And for these who have slipped their hands up and said, Lord, would you come into my heart? I want to take that first step. Would you honor that commitment? 
and cement it into their heart by giving them a word of affirmation and the next step. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.